Welcome back to Stand Up Citizen. This is episode 7. As we did with gerrymandering in episode 5, I think it's time to apply some of our foundational principles to an, uh, another issue. This time, Citizens United decision and its impact on our political process. We can analyze the decision and test it against what we have learned from our founders and what they expected of us. It is true, as many have noted, that several influential founders were suspicious of the role of corporations in our political process. But let's put that aside uh, just for the moment. So the controversial Supreme Court decision in Citizens United versus the Federal Election Commission that was handed down by the Supreme Court in 2010 has inspired debate ever since it was handed down. Several organizations, in fact, are working to change the effects of the ruling, even if that means a constitutional amendment. And there are signs that Americans are not sold on the idea, to say the least. When running for president in 2012, Mitt Romney notably was called out by a New Hampshire crowd when he stated that corporations are citizens. Much of the debate revolves around the effects of the ruling. Corporations acquired a novel form of citizenship status, which allows them to contribute vast sums of money to political campaigns. The idea of money as a form of speech entered the political arena in earlier cases. Uh, many regard this as unfairly tipping the scales in favor of corporations with their deep pockets on the assumption that more money leads to electoral success. If money is speech, let's face it, corporations can shout very, very loudly. And there's a good deal of wrangling over the legal reasoning applied by the court. Well, there is another way to approach this issue, one that begins with fundamental principles of our country and of citizenship. In the formation of a republic, our tradition has origins in a belief in individuals giving up some of their natural freedoms to empower the government and the essential idea of active consent of the governed. Recall this when we talked about the Declaration of Independence. So let's take a foundational analysis and apply it to Citizens United and see where it leads us. Well, the first principle is natural law and the social contract. The principle stated at its most basic, in our tradition, all power, political power, and authority derives from the people who give up some of their natural rights to have order and give structure to society. Thomas Hobbes famously set out this view in his work Leviathan in 1651. During the bloody English Civil War that resulted in uh, the beheading of a king, poor King Charles I, he described how individuals, that is, Hobbes described how individuals born into a natural state of freedom and fearing for their safety give up some of their rights 
to form societies and establish governments. To keep the people from harm, a powerful state must be created, but derives its power from the consent of the governed. And that way it mitigates their solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short lives. Hobbes must have been a lot of fun at parties. John Locke, who was so influential on Jefferson, expanded this principle. And, of course, he softened Hobbes' pessimism by adding that, since governments were a creation of individuals out of their natural rights, that state, which did not serve the needs of citizens, could be removed. The state was the servant of the citizen who had consented to the creation of the government and who could withdraw their support. Again, this is in the Declaration of Independence, right after the famous life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Citizenship was thus the result of active consent and a creative act by citizens who desire order and structure. Okay, remember that. So it is then up to the state, in our case, a republic, to provide good government and to institute the necessary structures and the legal edifice. One creation of the state in establishing necessary structure to society is the corporation. Therefore, corporations are a mere manifestation of this bargain between governed and government, and they are not an originator. Corporations did not, could not, participate in the genesis of republican government since corporations could only exist after that government had been created out of natural person's consent. So another way to look at it is corporations are created by the state to limit liability to help provide a legal framework for commerce. Citizens, by their active consent to give up some natural freedom, create the state out of their natural rights. Then the state establishes the necessary structure for the society to function. Therefore, the citizens precede the state, which then creates the corporation. Remember that old saying, the creation cannot be equal to its creator. So for an alternate legal analysis, there appears to be no better source than Justice Stevens' spirited, lengthy dissent to the majority opinion in Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission. Here's what Justice Stevens wrote in part, quote, it might also be added that corporations have no consciences, no beliefs, no feelings, no thoughts, no desires. Corporations help structure and facilitate the activities of human beings to be sure and their personhood, in quotes, often serves as a useful legal fiction. But they are not themselves members of we the people, by whom and for whom our Constitution was established. Well, let's move on to faction. Uh, we're fortunate to have the Federalist Papers uh, to consult for guidance. Federalist 10 and Federalist 51 are among the most important and we have covered that in past episodes. 
Our founding fathers recognized the threat of faction to the new republic. The presence of faction in all free societies was a reality that Madison and Hamilton used in their constitutional design. Rather than try to eliminate faction, they created a structure where, quote, ambition would counteract ambition, unquote, and competing interests would blunt the tendency toward tyranny of the majority. So Madison envisioned citizens with competing interests coexisting in balanced natural competition within a constitutional structure. But this assumed relative equality of bargaining power among individual natural persons. Natural person being a human being. Corporations making unlimited contributions who also have individual rights alters and even upsets the balance the founders set up to deal with faction. So corporations which object to this view should be asked, why do you advertise your products and services if money does not make a difference? There's an ancillary argument, and it regards the public good versus private economic interests. The issue of the common wheel, the public good, was much on the minds of our founders. And actually, four of our states are actually called the commonwealths, the good of the society. Certain matters are good for the public as a whole and are therefore the province of government and its public officials. What happens, however, when an issue that is good for the general public conflicts with investor goals? Health insurance, oil well drilling, banking reform, you name it. We have many recent examples where private interests could be in conflict with overall benefit to the general public. In these cases and others, corporations would presumably have an obligation by way of their corporate charter to oppose or try to mitigate the greater good issue that is counter to corporate profit or growth goals. Here, the corporation acting as a citizen under Citizens United would or could exert a corrosive influence on the public good wherever it conflicts with narrower investor interests. Civic or public virtue essential to the citizenry could be compromised for the benefit of shareholders' economic interests to which the corporation is bound to give priority. Then there's the law of the land. So let's try this. A citizen in a republic must be an autonomous actor based on natural rights. Any position contrary to this view runs counter to the original and most essential principle on which our republic is founded, after all. A corporation cannot be autonomous. It is wholly dependent on the state for its very existence. It is not a free person as we know it in our tradition. At this point, the legal authority of Citizens United stands solidly on the Supreme Court's 2010 ruling. Perhaps it may be changed only by a constitutional amendment. 
In the meantime, it would be prudent to recall what John Marshall, our greatest Chief Justice, wrote about corporations. Quote, a corporation is an artificial being, invisible, intangible, and existing only in contemplation of the law. Being the mere creature of law, it possesses only those properties which the charter of its creation confers upon it, either expressly or as incidental to its very existence. That's from the case Dartmouth College versus Woodward, 1819, a very famous Supreme Court case. Well, in our highly charged political climate, it may be difficult to have a discussion such as what I have proposed in this episode. The principles outlined from our liberal tradition are foundational to our republic and should be the starting point for any assessment of this and other thorny issues. Remember, on issues, always ask the question, what is or what are the principles involved? So how would a constitutional amendment be structured to remedy the negative impact of the Citizens United case on money in politics? Well, here's a proposed 28th Amendment to the Constitution, trying to keep it as simple and direct as possible. Number one, the rights of persons, citizens, and the people as used in this Constitution shall only apply to natural persons and not to corporations, associations, trusts, or any other entity created by charter or operation of law. Two, Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. There it is. Perhaps we should offer this amendment or some other version of it to make a change and get back to the situation where money has not become such a overweening influence in our elections. So let's review quickly. The problem stated at its most basic in four different ways. All political power and authority derives from the people, the citizens, who give up some of their natural freedom to have order and give structure to society. Corporations are a mere manifestation of this bargain, not an originator. The second approach is corporations are created by the state to limit liability Citizens create the state out of their natural rights. Then the state establishes the necessary structure for society to function. Therefore, citizens precede the state, which then creates the corporation. Remember, the creation cannot be greater than its creator. The third rationale is what happens when an issue that is good for the general public conflicts with investor goals. Corporations have an obligation via their charter to oppose the greater good issue, so their influence could be corrosive to the general public wherever it conflicts with narrower investor interests. And finally, revisited faction. 
The founders envisioned citizens with competing interests coexisting within their constitutional structure and balancing each other out. Remember, ambition will counteract ambition. Uh, assuming equality of bargaining power, corporations making unlimited contributions with individual rights upsets the founders' design to deal with faction. So now you have more rhetorical ammo for those coffee house discussions, for those talks at the bar, and for your meetings with Supreme Court justices, congresswomen and congressmen, and senators. Well, if you liked this episode, please share it with friends, family, anybody who you think would be interested. Thank you for listening. <laughs>